Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Abby Teixeira. She is a mental health warrior, a coach, a mentor, a best-selling author, speaker, and last but certainly not least a mother. Welcome, Abby. I'm so happy to finally have you here. We've been talking about getting this done for a while, so it's lovely to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you, and I'm so happy to be here too. I've been looking forward to this for months, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's an absolute honor and pleasure to have you here. So with that being said, let's jump right in. Now, as I mentioned, you wear all of these hats. Let's. I want to start off with the whole mental health warrior title. I love that. How did you come up with the title and what does that title mean to you personally? What is your definition of a mental health warrior? Yeah. So really cool question. I've actually never been asked this. So when I started speaking up about my journey through recovery and healing through trauma and various mental health issues, it really felt like it was like a fight because at the same time I was speaking out, I was sharing vulnerably and openly, but I was also kind of behind the scenes fighting for my life to put it lightly. And a friend of mine actually came up with it one day. She was like, you're just a warrior. You're a mental health warrior. (laughs) And I was like, yes, that's fitting. So I, I stuck with it. And personally for me, It really means being the voice and being a voice for others who, not only for myself, but which has been incredibly healing, but for others who are out there very similar to me that don't have a voice, that haven't spoken up, that haven't been able to have the courage or the supports to share their stories. And so when I'm out there speaking, I'm really speaking on behalf of not only myself, but all those many others who are struggling with mental health issues, with addiction issues, with trauma, all of that kind of stuff. So I gladly wear that armor and that title. (laughs) I, I absolutely love the title. I think it's brilliant. And you being the voice for those voiceless out there that don't have that, I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. What drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do, Abby? When it comes to the journey of recovery and healing, it's a very messy, very gritty journey. And it's not easy to speak up on things that used to have such a power and control over me, the things that I used to be very much shrouded in shame and secrecy, the things that really drove me to drink. But what happened was when I started sharing my story and I started coming out with my journey time after time, people would come to me and share their me too stories, their their um, relatability. When I was blown away, because in my mind, growing up, I always envisioned and I always thought that I was the only one, just like many others who are out there that are struggling. We feel we're the only ones that no one understands our journey. No one can relate that we're alone, all that kind of stuff. But it's actually far from the truth. And I really experienced that firsthand when I started speaking out, where I literally would have lineups of people after an event who would come to me and share their really vulnerable and powerful stories with me as well. And that's when I really understood that this vision and this mission of mine was actually a lot bigger than me. And that's really what motivates me because I know that, it, like I said, it's just, it's become much bigger than me and it's become a, a greater purpose uh, for me to just be out there and spreading awareness, sharing this message of hope that there is hope, that it is possible to recover. And that's really a driving force. And aside from that, you mentioned me being a mother. That's incredibly important to me. It is a huge why. I have three littles. The oldest is a 
daughter and to be the one in my family bloodline to step out and say it ends with me, the generational trauma, the chains, all of that stuff. And being that example for my children has been a huge driving force and for sure a big why. So I think those two elements are very key in why I do what I do and why I get up and I choose to continuously put myself out there. (laughs) That is so powerful, Abby, and so beautiful. I mean, when you stand up and share your story or when we stand up and share our stories, when it resonates with the people, it gives them the permission to also stand up and say, hey, listen, Abby just shared her story. It's okay for me to do it too. I'm going through something similar. And look at how Abby has come through and what she's doing. I can do this too. I can share my story with Abby. She can relate and maybe she can help. Exactly. It's the ripple effects for sure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I would love to know what you were doing for a living before all of this unfolded for you, this new life. What was your past life before jumping into entrepreneurship? Yeah. So I actually, I've been working as a nurse for the past 17 years, which is unbelievable to think about. I went into nursing school pretty young in my early twenties. And like most people that go into healthcare, I went into it wanting to help people. And Mm -hmm. so I went into that career and I started off as a day surgery nurse, recovery nurse, and that didn't last very long. I was probably there for about a year and a half. And then I actually entered into geriatrics and that's where I pretty much evolved my career working with the elderly, which is not something that I never imagined. Imagined I would do, but it's just how things landed for me. And so I, I've been doing nursing for the past 17 years. I'm still working part-time, very part-time, but I'm phasing out of that career to fully pursue coaching and speaking and all that good stuff, that the new purpose in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. What's the catalyst then for you transitioning into entrepreneurship and how easy or hard has that been for you? I know you're doing it gradually, but what's the process been like for you? It's honestly been a process of faith and trust and trusting in the process. Nine years ago when I began this journey, you could not have convinced me that I'd be doing what I'm doing today. Things just kind of happened. One thing led to another. I shook certain hands, certain people, very important people in my life spoke belief into me when I didn't believe myself. When I started going out there and networking and trying to get over my incredible social anxiety that I used to have, because I'll share a little bit. Yeah. Later, I am in recovery. I'm in recovery from alcohol addiction and recovering from childhood trauma and abuse. You know, when you remove the substances from your life, like I did, I was left pretty much naked and exposed. And I had no idea who I was, very low self-image, very scared of everything. But I didn't like that. I didn't like being in social settings where I would literally cling to my husband because I was terrified that somebody would come and talk to me. So I started networking through his encouragement and advice and just meeting the right people. I started little by little sharing a little bit about my journey and my story. And one woman in specific, who you know, Susan Binney, actually, Mm -hmm. a very important woman in my life. She looked me in the eyes the first day we met and she said, Abby, you have an incredible story to tell and you need to tell it. And I looked Mm -hmm. at her, what, me? (laughs) As as we all do, right? Yeah. But that planted a seed. That planted a seed in me and one thing led to another and I started speaking in small stages and at at summits and started getting podcast interviews and then the ball really started rolling and I was within three years speaking very regularly, like a few times a, a month and then I even wrote about my journey and published it, became a published author in two different best-selling books. And then it wasn't until last year in November, I made the decision. This is pretty recent. I just felt a strong pull and an urge and a calling from the universe that I needed to help others in a different degree and dimension than I had been doing in nursing. And that was with guiding people through coaching, facilitation, facilitation, I have a huge passion for facilitating groups because I myself have really taken advantage of those opportunities to be in group settings and healing. Mm. I've done a tremendous amount of healing work in group settings, sharing stories with like-minded people. And so I heard the calling and it started off as a little nudge and then eventually was a huge push. And then I, I dove two feet in, dove right in. And now I'm in my certification program, my year-long certification program in coaching and facilitation for women-centered coaching specifically. Love it. Susan's an incredible woman. She's so supportive. Yes. And helpful. And she's a beautiful human. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Why have you decided to focus your energy and business on helping to empower women specifically? Did part of that choice begin or come from 
your own personal struggles and journey. 100%. Like I said, I've been a, a huge benefactor of others who have believed in me, who have guided me, who have supported me and brought me from a place of total and complete isolation and loneliness to a place of flourishing relationships and incredible communities that I'm so privilege to be a part of. And now I feel like it's, like I said, it's a strong calling. And it's also, I've taken it as a responsibility that since I've been granted this incredible gift of recovery and healing, it's like a no brainer for me to <laughs> turn around and give it back, like pay it forward in the best way that I know possible, which is providing the tools and the resources and the guidance that we all need when we embark on this type of journey. I think of myself who I was nine years ago when I began this journey and one of the first things I remember is that I knew I needed to change. I knew it was time. I knew it was going to be difficult, but I had no idea where to start. I had no idea where to turn. And it truly was a journey kind of in the dark where I really just blazed the trail for myself. And I feel like because I've now acquired these tools, it would be selfish of me not to share them. And now I wish that I had somebody at that time in the early phases of my recovery that had the tools and the guidance and the resources. I 100% would have followed them and, and hunted them <laughs> down and all that kind of stuff, right? And so now I've become that person. Well, that's it, right? That's the beauty in it is that you didn't have that, but now seeing and realizing and appreciating what you went through and not having that, you are that light to guide others. And I think that's incredibly powerful and beautiful. Yeah, thank you. It's a privilege. Can, <laughs> can you share a little bit about your story, your journey? Yeah, I'll share it in a nutshell form. <laughs> there's talks, there's several podcasts out there that I specifically focus on my story. But yeah, so I, I come from a second generation Latina Canadian family. My parents are immigrated here from El Salvador in the mid 80s. During that time, there was a very violent civil war happening there. And my dad was actually in the army. He was a child soldier. So he was 14 when he was wow. a soldier. So that in itself had many elements of just a lot of trauma yeah. um, and generationally both lineages there's just it's been very much riddled with a lot of mental health issues a lot of addiction issues poverty violence all of that kind of stuff and so we left the country my mom was pregnant with me she was 17 my dad was 21 they were kids they were literally yeah. just kids but they just wanted a new start they wanted to you know just wanted an opportunity to survive basically so we came to Canada I was actually born in Mexico on the way to Canada <laughs> so <laughs> we had a little pit stop there I, I was born there so I do have dual citizenship and then we came here um, when I was six months old and life began pretty much soon after I had two other sisters and unfortunately because of the just the, like I said the generational chains of trauma and addiction my dad fell into addiction very deeply. And because of that, we grew up in a very volatile, very violent home, alcoholic home. He very much turned straight to alcohol to really just deal with and cope with all the things that he had experienced in his life. And so as you can imagine, three little girls growing up in that kind of environment, it was chaotic. It was scary. It was terrifying. And I was put in situations that I shouldn't have been put in, but that's the way it ended up happening. So the, by the time I was nine years old, I remember specifically being in the fourth grade or something like that. I was very young and I already was struggling with pretty severe depression and anxiety. Jesus. I was just, why do I feel this way? You know, because as a child, when these things are happening around you and there's no one there, no adult to really help you process these things, you learn to process them yourself. And it's usually in unhealthy ways because you're a child, yeah. you don't have the tools, you don't have the resources, the mindset, all of that kind of stuff. And I can vividly remember telling my mom, you know, mom, why do I always feel so sad? And she would just respond. And obviously now I think of the perspective, like how young she was and what she was going through at that time, she was surviving. And yeah. I remember her telling me, just don't think about it. It'll just go away. Just kind of move on. That was her her solution, but that wasn't a, a good enough solution. No. Me, right. And so I learned to cope through very unhealthy ways, eating disorders, like I said, anxiety, depression. And then eventually when I got older in school, I became very rebellious, very angry. I'd get in fights a lot at school, just kind of labeled that bad kid, troubled kid. When it was my way of kind of releasing the angst that was happening at home. And then fast forward teenage years, 15 years old, I'm at a house party, there's alcohol there. And that 
that was my first exposure to me personally drinking alcohol. And for me, right from the get go, it was a medication. It was not like normal teens that have a couple drinks, we're all laughing, having fun, and then you wake up the next day and it's fine. You move yeah. on. For me, it was, it had a very powerful impact because for the first time since I could remember, I didn't have to feel anything. I didn't, for that night, I didn't feel anything. I didn't think about anything. Everything was numb. And it was like an instant addiction for me. And that led me down a very dark path for almost 15 years. So from the age of 15 to 29, when I pretty much made the decision to stop, I spiraled. I really spiraled and just really lived a very, very risky lifestyle, just just active addiction. But I was very functional because like I said, during that time, I went to school, I got my nursing degree, I started working, I met the love of my life who was like the complete opposite of anyone who had ever met. We're still married, we're still together. We're the one, he's the father of our three children. I met him at that time. We had a beautiful wedding. We were traveling, we bought a home we bought cars it was very picture perfect yeah it was just uh, on the outside looking in right but the reality inside was very different by the time in my 20s I was pretty much a daily drinker it was the way that I coped and I survived I couldn't even imagine not having that crutch for myself because then that would mean that I would have to face the things that would that was it was literally like a pressure cooker was inside of me and there was all these memories and all these traumas all these wounds that were trying to bubble to the surface and I just kept pressing it down and pressing it down and suppressing it with drugs and alcohol because drugs definitely played a little uh, part in my story as well and really just numbing it and numbing it and obviously through that kind of lifestyle more things happened additionally that I just added it all into that pressure cooker and it was just like I'm not doing with it. So that's pretty much my story in the very, very nutshell. <laughs> Before I, I entered into recovery, which was like I said, nine years ago this summer, actually summer 2014 was when I, I came to a point in my life where it was a, a crossroad. I call it my crucible moment where I remember waking up one morning after a weekend vendor. And I thought to myself, I had this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. And I thought to myself, one of these days, I'm not going to open my eyes. Like it became yeah. a very- clear reality for me. I was like, I'm playing with fire, running out and looking out the window to see where my car was, those kind of things went Mm -hmm. just really terrifying. And I I felt like, okay, so now that I know this, now what? Right. And it was a kind of like a switch went over me because never before that had I ever really considered changing. It was just living literally a minute at a time through whatever came to me, whatever happened and whatever bad happened, I would just deal with it or not deal with it with numbing, with alcohol. And so then that began my journey where I just said enough was enough. I was tired of living like this. I was tired of feeling like this. And like I said earlier, I had no idea what that was going to require of me, what was going to happen. I just knew that I needed to change. And I went on faith And the first person I I talked to was my husband and he was incredibly supportive. And he too was like, how do I help you? What do I do? You know, I don't want to do anything to help you. And he was just more than anything was just an incredibly incredible support system for me. And together we just pretty much went one step at a time. And I just went on a journey of resource hunting and, and looking for solutions and finding things and finding people and all of that kind of stuff. And my mentality really became one of whatever it takes and willingness yeah. where it was like, okay, I have no other choices. I gave myself no other choices. So I was willing to do whatever it took. If it could help me, I would try it out. If not, I would learn something from it. When that began my journey about nine years ago. <laughs> wow. What an incredible story and journey. And I admire your courage and strength to step out of that world and into the world of recovery and that journey. I can't even imagine how tough that was to go through and experience. Mm -hmm. So I I applaud your courage and your strength and your resilience, Abby. Thank you. You know, when you're in it, you have no idea. I had no idea. The grand scheme of things, I was really just in survival mode. I just knew that even though I had been suicidal many times in my life, and I had actually attempted both three, four different times up until that point, those were all cries for help. They were all yeah. for me personally, my story, they were cries for help. But at this point in my life, when I knew that I was on the cusp of actually that happening, 
it was too real for me. And I was like, no, there was a glimmer of hope that was within me still that said, there's still something worth living for. And I hung on to that tiny little glimmer of hope and it became huge after. It was a huge bright light for me where it was like, okay, I'm on the right path. <laughs> and now here you are giving back to those who are going through similar struggles. I think yes. it's a beautiful story. How have these experiences helped shape the Abbey you are today, both personally and professionally? Yeah, they're everything. I would not be where I'm at today if it wasn't for every single one of these experiences, both good and bad. And it still remains to be seen for me as well, because if you're familiar with trauma recovery, it's layers. And, you know, there's layers that get uncovered and there's still things for me that are even nine years later that are coming up for me that I hadn't thought about since it actually happened. These experiences happened. The only big difference now is that when these things come up for me, I look and I envision this way. Like I love envision it. I'm a very visual person. And I look at, there's a huge treasure trove that I have and it's beautiful and shiny and golden. And when I open it up, there's all these beautiful treasures, which I call tools, my tools and my resources. And so when these difficult things come up for me or experiences come up, because just because I gave up drinking and I sought recovery doesn't mean that life became rainbows and fairy tales. Yeah. As you know. <laughs> yeah, life sure. still hits, life still goes on. There's still a lot of tragedy. There's things that happen, but I have this beautiful treasure trove of tools and resources that I can turn to. And I say, okay, so this has come up now. What can I use in this toolbox that is going to help me process this and work through it. And so I'm a very much firm believer of use it or else you're going to lose it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, um, you know, when I'm experiencing these things, I have, yeah, it's an incredible tools and resources that I can turn to, to help navigate through these times. So there is no problem, no tragedy, no, nothing that could happen to me that there's no way around. I definitely have ways to be able to navigate through any and, and everything that comes my way. And I really feel like the experience experiences that I've had up until this point, they've shaped and molded me first in a negative way, and then mm -hmm. in a positive way, where now not only am I incredibly relatable to many people, like I said, that are out there that have similar stories to me, I can look a person in the eye and say, I am you, I've been there, I know what you've gone through, I know what you're going through, and there is hope. I can say that with conviction because of the experiences that, of, that I've had and the things that I've been able to work through and overcome. So I'm grateful for it all, the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> and that's the important lesson I think that people can take away away from that is that no matter how difficult the situation is, there is always a silver lining and a lesson to take away from that situation. It may not seem that way at the time because you're so deep in it and it's difficult yeah. to see, but if you're able to take a step back and look inside from the out, there is a lesson in there and we have to keep that in mind and remember that always. Yeah, absolutely. And it really is perspective. Things could either make you or break you. And I've just yeah. chosen through the years to allow for everything to, yes, I've been broken many times, but I've also picked up the pieces, put it back together. And then yeah. it's made me stronger where it really, yeah. the cliche saying of the, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I can yeah. totally attest to that. <laughs> so what was the biggest or most valuable takeaway for you through your experiences, would you say? The big word that comes up for me is hope. When you come from a place of sheer darkness, of sheer pain, of confusion, of chaos, it's really difficult to see the hope. But like I said, there was something inside of me. There was a tiny little glimmer of hope that I held on to. And that's really what I think about every single day when I'm out there doing what I'm doing and continuously putting my vulnerable heart on the line and <laughs> opening up and sharing. I just think hope. Because now I have so much hope to, to see myself, who I was nine years ago, the broken little girl that I was. Even though I was an adult, I was a really broken, tiny little girl with no direction, all of that kind of stuff, just a shell of a person. But like I said, hope was the overarching lesson for me that where there's even just a tiny glimmer of hope, you can spark it up to be a huge blaze of a fire. <laughs> Bonfire, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love that analogy. Yeah. Abby, let's talk a little bit about your coaching work now. How long have you been a coach and mentor? Yes, I've been doing unofficial coaching and mentorship, I want to say for about five, six years now, really working privately in many different 
scenarios with kids. One of my passions now, like I talked about, is really breaking generational trauma and chains. And because I've been able to accomplish what I've been able to accomplish in, in my healing and recovery journey, like I said, I take very serious responsibility in paying it forward. And even in my motherhood journey, I've been a mentor in that aspect as well. With my first two two babies, I had postpartum depression really severely. And that was also a very scary, lonely journey in the beginning. And so I put on my recovery hat and healing hat on. And I was like, what tools can I use? What resources can I use? And so I found tools and supports and resources to help me through that time in my life. And then I turned right around and I started helping other moms. I became a nationally certified peer facilitator. So I would run groups of of mom groups where we would come together. It was a safe space to be able to share about our issues, our, our motherhood struggles, perinatal mood disorders, that kind of a thing. And it was so gratifying to be on both sides. Cause again, I had the advantage of knowing exactly what these women were going through and experiencing and then turning around and helping them with supports and tools and resources. So I've always had that kind of a passion. And then in smaller groups and settings, I was able to coach many people through their recovery journeys, like I said, unofficially. And I'm in my certification program right now, specifically on women-centered coaching, which I'm going to be finishing up here at the end of this year. But I'm launching my first coaching program actually this coming August, which I'm so excited for. Congratulations. Um, And it's, thank you. And it's really going to be, it's a really beautiful program of transformation of healing and it's not necessarily doesn't have to be around addictions there's things that every single one of us first of all i'm going to preface it by saying i truly and honestly believe and i'm sure you would agree with me that every single one of us has an incredible story to share Mm, an incredible story and a dream every single one of us has a dream but not every one of us has the tools and the resources to pursue those dreams or the willingness but for those of us who do have the willingness who have a dream and a passion, who have a story that they want to be able to share, but just don't know how that's where I enter. I come in and it's like, take my hand. Let me guide you through this process. (laughs) Let's uncover what's been holding you back, break free from the inner barriers and really the limiting beliefs and the stories that we've told ourselves up until this point. And let's replace it with a new and empowering story so that you can pursue your dream so that you can share your story and make a significant impact in your own way. Because it's really about changing one person at a time and the What is it then that sets the work you do apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you over someone else? I think really it's my lived experience, my vast array of experiences that I've had from, like I said, childhood trauma, child of an alcoholic, my own alcohol addiction, my journey through motherhood, all that kind of stuff. I I have firsthand experience and I've done the work to prove it, to show that it's the proof is there, right? I'm I'm sober here today, on the cusp of nine years. And I have, like I said, I've accumulated this beautiful treasure trove of tools and resources that I'm really excited to share with other people. So I think it's really just who I am, who I've become, who I was is my gift. I've turned my pain into purpose and and pain into a gift that I'm now able to share for the good instead of for the bad. (laughs) What would you say are the three of the most important lessons you've learned on your journey as a coach? Yeah, I think number one, willingness, willingness to look at whatever it is that's uncomfortable, that might be a struggle that might be the things that hold us in bondage, which I feel have a major basis in shame and secrecy. So the things that we're most afraid to expose about ourselves, those are the things that need to come out into the light more desperately. So the willingness to look to go there, the whatever it takes, the mindset I feel is critical, is key, because on this journey, there are many struggles, there are many hurdles, there are many times when you want to give up. But if you have that mentality of, no, I'm, whatever it takes, what I'm willing to get back up and keep going. And then the third thing ties directly with that is never giving up. Like that is, uh, for me, it's a shared commitment. Even when I'm working with people, I will be very honest and real with them and say, hey, listen, it's not going to be all rosy. It's not going to be peaches, <laughs> but I need you to know that, yes, it's okay to stumble and fall, but we need to get back up. Just not stay there. Don't stay on the ground. Don't pedal and go back to this dark hole that you clawed your way out of. Dust yourself up, get yourself back up and keep going. So I think those are the three key elements that I know for me personally drive me. And that's what I 
want to be able to impart for others so that they have a successful journey and they can have what I have and more. How has your coaching style evolved since you started out to where you are now? I have the privilege of being a part of an incredible program. It's through Evolving Wisdom, Feminine Power, and the founder, Dr. Claire Zamet, she is a pioneer in women's transformational coaching, and her skill set that she teaches is top-notch. And so I think that has taken me to another level, because like I said, the skills that we are taught are not only just for coaching, but I've seen it have a significant impact in all of my relationships in my life with my husband, with my kids, with my family, my extended family, my friends. They all see that I, I talk different now. I'm more passionate, more convicted because of the things that I'm learning through this program, which is amazing. And I, that's why I take it so seriously. And that's why I chose this program specifically because I want to have the state of the art skills and training to be able to then help others to the best of my capacity. So I I think it started as very like gritty kind of coaching mm. where it was the school of life type of coaching. <laughs> you know? And now it's been leveled up to a more refined, professional, just very impactful and deep type of uh, skill set to be able to take women there, right? To those breakthrough moments and be the, their biggest cheerleader, their biggest supporter and sponsor through the work that we're taught to do. So I think that it has been evolving and I'm so excited for it to even more evolve through the experiences because I'm a life so <laughs> you can definitely hear the passion in your voice when you speak about <laughs> your journey and the work you do in helping other women so it shines through most definitely well thank you <laughs> what in your opinion then is one of the most important quality or skill sets in a coach i think deep empathy and listening skills are vital there's a saying that most people aren't listening to listen, they're listening to respond. If somebody's sharing something to you, and especially in the work that I'm doing, it's pretty deep things, mental health, yeah. recovery, superpower, seeing yourself being present in the moment, listening deeply without an agenda in your mind, really just being there present and focused in the person and what they have to share. And then whatever comes out with questions, because that's really what coaching is. There's a difference because people, when they think of a coach, sometimes they get it confused with a counselor, somebody or a therapist, but it's, it's very different. A coach is somebody that comes in and asks powerful questions and they have incredible skills to be able to draw out those answers and those questions when you're having a conversation. And through those powerful listening skills, presence, supporting, sponsoring, all of that kind of stuff, through that, then you're able to uh, allow for people to come up with their own stuff and their own yeah. solutions. So I really feel like being present, deep listening, having empathy, even though you can't relate, we're all human and we've all experienced a wide array of emotions and feelings that we can relate to. And putting ourselves in, in, in the place of that person when they're sharing is, it's very powerful. But then you take yourself out of that and then you put on your empowered hat and then <laughs> you're helping the, the person to be able to then empower themselves through what they just shared and through, like I said, through the, the use of powerful questions. So I think those are some very key and vital skills uh, to have as a coach and just as a human being as well. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, speaking of empowerment, how and why is empowerment important in the healing process of individuals who have experienced abuse and trauma? Yeah, this is, it's so vital. Like I talked about for years and years early on in my life and throughout my active addiction period of my life, I was very disempowered. I was very much wrapped in shame and secrecy. The secrets that I had that I was carrying with me really had a power and control over me to the point where it drove me to literally drink, drink it away, numb it away, because I just couldn't deal with it. I couldn't even think, I couldn't even imagine going there. And so what happened was when I started speaking and I started writing about my journey and I started hearing people come to me, like I shared earlier, I actually became very, instead of disempowered, I became empowered by my story and the power and control that it had over me negatively. It was like cutting the chains. I started to cut the chains and instead I just became like, it was like free. I was like a bird and birds are very symbolic for me. I love them. I have them tattooed everywhere <laughs> <laughs> because I literally was, it was like break the chains. And then I started to fly and became very much empowered in my story and knew that what I had gone through, it didn't define me. It didn't happen to me. It happened for me. I couldn't change what happened. I can't change what happened, but I can change the way I view 
view it the way I see it and what I learned from it and how I grew from it. And so I think it's incredibly important to switch the narrative from a disempowered place and shame and secrecy to empowered, knowing that what you've gone through, you're not alone in it and that there's others that can benefit from your journey and your story. And so I think it's very important, especially as a female, have empowerment through your voice and through your story, sure. and through your vulnerability. Can you speak to your approach when you're working with clients who are struggling to find meaning or purpose in their lives after experiencing abuse and trauma? Yeah, so it's such a journey and it's one that I'm still on. Like I said, because I was willing and open to go to the uncomfortable places, to do uncomfortable things, one thing led to another. And suddenly, as I began to learn who I was, because you have to remember that for 15 years, I wore many masks. I was a shell of a person, like I said. Depending on where I was, who I was with, I wore a certain mask. And that mask was usually fueled by alcohol. And so when I quit drinking... And I began on this journey one by one, those masks kind of fell off. And then I was left like almost like naked and open and exposed and vulnerable. And I was like, who am I? And so as I began this journey of recovery and healing, I began to learn who I was. And that really was for me learning to reconnect with little me. So I talk about little me all the time (laughs) (laughs) because we all have them. There's little Brad in you, there's little Abby in me. And unfortunately during that 15 year run, and even before that, as part of my survival, I had to disconnect myself from her. So I actually disconnected myself from myself because it was too hard to handle. I couldn't help her. I couldn't hear her. I couldn't see her. I was just so lost in my own world at that time. And so I very much disconnected from her and I numbed her. I numbed her. I quieted her. I buried her, all of that stuff. So then fast forward to my recovery journey. And then I started to learn to connect with her, reconnect with her, validate her, learn to trust her and trust me. It was a learning, a journey of trust and love and forgiveness. So then I started to discover who I really was little by little. And I started to build that trusting and loving relationship with myself. And through that, I started to learn what I liked, what I was passionate about, what lit me up, why I woke up in the morning, all that kind of stuff. So like I said, it is a a huge journey and it's kind of like a day at a time. But like I said, we all have gifts and meaning and purpose in our life. It's just about getting rid of all the muck that hides and buries it to be able to unveil it and unleash it to the world. So uh, I say that we all have purpose. It's just about first getting to know ourselves through healing, through all of that kind of stuff so that you can then realize what you're actually meant to do here on this earth with a clear mind and clear thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Doing that inner work to clear out all the muck and to find your purpose because yeah we i agree with you we all have a purpose here on this planet we all are sent here with gifts or a gift to share with the world and i think it's our obligation our duty our responsibility to share that gift with the world you are not to keep that hidden it is not for you it's for the rest of the world and it is your responsibility as a human being on this planet to share that gift with the world because someone will benefit from it absolutely absolutely and i think of both you and i know cory poirier who's one of my mentors and i know he has a talk that he bases on Les Brown's The Wealthiest Place on the Planet, and, and, and that's the graveyard, definitely, because how many of us die with our dreams inside of us still? Yeah. And the wealthiest place, there's probably yeah. the cure for cancer. There's probably these significant things that people mm-hmm. die with them because Absolutely. they either didn't have the belief or they didn't have the tools and the resources to be able to uncover those beautiful gifts and share it with the world. For sure. How do you balance providing support and guidance with allowing individuals to have agency and autonomy in their healing journeys? It's a journey of self for sure. Cause this is a, it's a fine balance, right? Because when I've been through what I've been through and I see other people who have a similar story as me, and I've witnessed and experienced a lot of heartbreak in my journey with other people where I've had to, unfortunately, because of the, the nature of the, of the beast, which is addiction and mental health, I've had to bury a lot of friends who didn't make it. And in those moments, I've had to really question things. And there's always the, the thought like, why them? Why not me? those kind of thoughts and stuff like that. But I know something for a fact that nobody can make another person change but themselves. 
And I think how hard it was for me to change, let alone somebody else, because there was people in my life, my husband, there were people in my life when I was in that dark phase of my life that begged and pleaded with me to change, that were concerned. And now in fast forward in my journey, I still come across people who have people in their life that they just, they beg and they plead and they give ultimatums and all that kind of stuff to get them to change, but they don't, right? The person needs to get to that place themselves. And so that's a constant reminder to me that I can be here with my big shiny toolbox, (laughs) grabbing the person's hand and saying, come with me. But at the end of the day, I can't do it for them. I provide the guidance and the tools and the resources, but I cannot heal the person for them. They have to do that for themselves. And so sometimes that involves watching from a safe distance as somebody falls many times before they choose to get back up and and stay back up. And so because I've gone through that experience and journey myself, I have a lot of um, respect and boundaries around knowing that um, I'm not responsible. I only have responsibility for what I can provide and guide, but the rest is up to them. Yeah, for sure. If we're going to build a house, you have all the tools in front of you, but the person still needs to build it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You can, it them, so. you can, like you said, you can give them the tools, the resources, you can give them guidance, show them, but it's up to them to do the work. Exactly. Sure. Now, obviously, when we talk about empowerment, self-love is going to automatically be brought into the conversation. It's just part and parcel. That's the common thread. So in your opinion, what's the difference between self-love and self-care? Wow. Big difference. Uh, Self-love is the relationship that we have with ourselves. This is my definition. So this Mm -hmm. is not like the the dictionary or anything like that. (laughs) Self-love is the relationship I have with myself. And as part of the relationship that I have with myself, self-care comes in the picture where things that I know that fill my cup. So for example, for me, I love reading. I love listening to podcasts. I love writing, creating those kind of things. I love a, a good hot bath on a winter night type of thing. Those are things that I do to care for myself as self-care, but the self-love, that relationship is something that I nurture every single day by being accountable to myself, by keeping my word, by doing the things that I know that are, are good for me, by helping others, being of service. So there is a there is for sure a big difference between the two, but I feel like they go hand in hand because yeah. if you love yourself, then you're going to care for yourself in the ways that you only how to care for yourself and, and the things that fill you up because you need it, especially in the line of work that I do. I constantly have to be replenishing myself because it's a lot of energetic work on a lot of heaviness. I really have to honor myself by doing these things that I know that fill me back up and replenish me so that I can go back out and do what I continue to do, which isn't easy. (laughs) I've had quite a few conversations as of late about self-love and the importance of it and the fact that everything, absolutely everything starts with the foundation of self with us. And we're so often told and have been conditioned to believe that loving ourselves is selfish. With all that being said, what are one or two tips that you can provide or takeaways that listeners can implement immediately to start their journey into self-love? Every relationship in our lives is based on the relationship that we have with ourselves. And if we cannot love and honor and respect ourselves, how are we going to love and honor and respect others? I'm going to go on a tangent there about something (laughs) else, but I won't. So my advice and my tips, I guess, would be that it is crucial and vital to learn to love ourselves and be compassionate with ourselves and forgive ourselves and have that this beautiful nurturing relationship with ourselves so that then we know how to do it for others. Because you can't teach something that you haven't done yourself. You know, so we're going out there trying to teach others to love themselves, but yet we have a really strained relationship with ourselves. There's something there that's not matching. And so I would really say to focus on learning to love yourself first before you start to focus on others. When I think that a lot of us get stuck in that kind of opposite mindset where we were so focused on helping others and fixing others. Here we are all bruised and bleeding and broken ourselves. <laughs> there's no match up there, right? Yeah, and there's that disconnect. Exactly, exactly. So I would say it's very vital and crucial to start with self. And that's really just reconnecting with yourself. Um, yeah. A lot of us, unfortunately, are very disconnected from ourselves through life experiences, through trauma, through addictions. And we're not talking about just drugs and alcohol addiction can be many things yeah. that we learn to distract ourselves and numb ourselves and it's sure. about getting rid of that and learning how to cope with yourself um, in healthy ways healthy nurturing 
You say you're passionate about helping women to heal, transform, and grow in a meaningful way. Why have you decided to take this on as your mission? And why is this so personally important to you? Yeah, because like I said, when you come from a place of hopelessness and darkness and pain and all of that stuff where I came from, and now to be on the other side, and again, I haven't arrived anywhere. I certainly (laughs) have ways to go. And like I said, I'm a lifelong learner. What is so important for others to know that you don't have to stay in that place. You don't have to live there anymore. You can get yourself out. I envision this, and I talked about this at a, a different podcast as well, where I came from a very deep, dark hole that I had dug myself into. And when I began my journey in recovering healing, I had to claw my way back out of that hole. And what happened was that when I got out of it, I realized that there was others that were still down there. And now I had built the strength and the resources and the ladder to be able to get out yeah. there. So now I'm hearing these people clamoring that need my help and need help in general. And so I want to be the one to throw in a rope and be like, here's a rope, come, let's go together and let's make meaning of this mess. Because everything that we go through, and this is a big mindset shift for me that I really experienced probably after three years into my recovery journey, where I recognize that challenges and struggles were really like opportunities for me to learn and grow. And the biggest lessons in my life up until this point have been through the biggest failures in my life. And I've made meaning, a positive meaning from these things to be able to then impart it for other people. And so I say to others now that let's make meaning. Let's make meaning of this mess that you've gotten yourself into. Don't let it be for nothing. Let's let's move to a place of empowerment, of vulnerability and finding strength in that and of impact and significance. So it kind of has come full circle for me. And again, it all just kind of goes back to giving back, just that the give and take mentality of just collaboration and all that stuff. I love that you shared that piece about the failure because so often people see failure as a negative thing. And Mm -hmm. if, again, like you mentioned, if we can tweak that mindset just a little bit to see, and this goes back to what we talked about earlier in terms of seeing the lessons in the negative situations or in the bad situations or pulling that silver lining out of those clouds when you are in it. Failures are, are lessons. They're not bad. It's not negative. They are lessons to learn from and to pick yourself up and work towards succeeding and not giving up, as you mentioned earlier as well. That's one of the most important things is that if we take those, we'll call them lessons or learnings, teachings instead of failures, if we have seven of those, as long as we get up that eighth time, that's all that matters, right? We have to continue. We have to push on and we have to see the good in those situations. We have to find the lessons and the learnings in those failures, we'll call them. Absolutely. Every single person, I was talking about this yesterday, actually, with a friend, we were talking about how every single successful person that we see, you name it, the only reason why they're successful is because they failed many more times than we have. <laughs> you know? right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they've learned from them, exactly. and they've picked themselves up, dusted themselves off and yep. carried on. And, never and that's the up. key. Yeah, yeah for sure. Exactly. <laughs> So you mentioned briefly about your writing. So I want to talk a little bit about your writing. Can you talk about that journey into the world of being an author, how it all transpired for you and the books that you participated in, the stories you decided to share in those books? Yeah, absolutely. Writing is one of my tools, one of my resources, one of the things that I do for self-care, and it has been a a significant part of my healing journey. When I started to, and it seems so simple because you always hear journal and journal this and all that kind of stuff, right? But it's actually such a powerful tool because I have a little notebook that I treasure so much. It's from my first year in recovery, my first two years in recovery, and it was my journal. And I found it the other day, and this is eight years later. So I found it the other day, and I'm flipping through the pages. And it brought me right back to, because this was, I was journaling around one of the first support groups that I was a part of that was for survivors of childhood trauma. One of the most impactful groups I've ever been a part of. It changed me. It changed my life. And I was reading my thoughts and feelings coming out of those sessions and it blew my mind. It blew my mind. And I was crying. I was like, oh my goodness, because I remember writing those words and how far I've come from that place. And so, yeah, writing became, and it is still very instrumental for me. And so when I was offered the opportunity to be a part of a 
compilation book. The first book that I was a part of was called Heal, the fourth edition. And that's really what it's about. It's about stories in there of various authors through their healing journeys. And that involved a wide array of different healing journeys. There was a cancer survivor. There was so many different incredible stories. And in that book, I shared my early on recovery and healing journey. So kind of what happened, where I came from and the changes, the mindset shifts that I had and how that journey kind of transpired for me. It was one of my most vulnerable shares for sure early on. It's definitely gone deeper in, in different levels now, yeah. now. But yeah, it's something I'm very proud of. It became bestseller. So I was really excited about Congratulations. that. And then the second book was also a compilation book, which is the Blue Talks book. So I was in volume seven. And that one again was a, a little bit more diving into my recovery and healing journey, kind of what that entailed. And then I'm, I've submitted my third for one of the Blue Talks books coming up as well. And that one is around reframing all our mindset on what I talked about early on in our chat here on labeling people and children specifically as bad kids and labeling their behaviors versus looking into what's happened to them. Instead of why are they behaving this way? Asking yourself, what happened to this person for them to behave this way? What's going on? What's going on at home? Those kind of questions. Because I think in society, labeling is a big thing early on where you're labeled as something without actually having the proper context as to why that person is the way they are. And so that one I'm super passionate about because that's actually going to be the basis of my TEDx talk. So <laughs> Excellent. I love yeah. it. Abby, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Mm-hmm. I think I touched on this a little bit er- um, earlier on, just around my mindset of whatever it takes, my willingness and openness. I am where I'm at today, even with you, because I've been open to meeting new people, to getting out there, to networking, putting myself out there, and just to be open to trying things that sometimes are very scary. <laughs> Actually, all the time are scary, right? And it's because I've really just made it a mission to, if it could help, why not try? If, if it's not going to hurt me, why not try? That that kind of mindset and mentality. And because of that, it's opened one door and then another door and then another door. <laughs> All the doors are open. Yes, I love it. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? I love this question. So success, when you think about it, you think money, cars, home, travel, all those kind of things. But there's only so much that those things can really fill you up and fulfill you. I think success for me really has to do with significance because at the end of my days and at the end of your days, we're not going to sit there and think about all the things that we accumulated that made us successful. But the things that are going to come up for me are the impact that I had on other people's lives and the ripple effects that I was able to create through that impact. And when somebody comes up to you and looks you in the eyes and they tell you with tears in their eyes, thank you for sharing your story. I'm also a child of an alcoholic, so I know your pain and you've just given me so much hope. And that to me is significance. That beats a new car any day. (laughs) I've I've often heard people say that you never see a U-Haul being towed behind a hearse. Mm. You can't take Mm -hmm. the shit with you. And it means nothing when it's all said and done. It means nothing. It's about the impact you leave behind you. Exactly. And the lives you touch. Exactly. So that to me is success. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? Mm -hmm. I think about little me and how disempowered she was. And one of the things that I always felt during that time was deep loneliness. And that went hand in hand with shame. And I think that what I've learned is that I'm not alone. (laughs) I'm never alone. I'm definitely a very spiritual person. I believe in a higher power. And I know that I've had guardian angels all my life that have looked out for me throughout my life. And so I know for a fact that I've never been alone, but I thought that for a very long time. But now to know that I'm certainly not alone, I'm not the only one that has gone through these things and that my experiences, my pain, my hurts, my fears, they're all valid. 
Those are some of the biggest lessons that I've learned through my journey that I didn't know before, that I was very much in the mind frame of I'm alone, no one understands me, no one believes me, all that kind of stuff. And I've gone back and really reconnected and healed little me of that, of those limiting beliefs. And now she knows that she's absolutely not alone and that she's believed and that her life is valid, what she, her experiences are valid. And so those are some of the biggest lessons that I've learned through my journey. Abby, what does the word empowerment mean to you? Mm. How do you define that word? Mm -hmm. I think about turning pain to purpose, that's empowerment, versus allowing the pain to drown you, allowing the pain to numb you, to bring you down, to keep you down. Because in my own journey, that's what happened, where I, I came from a place where the pain was the water that was drowning me. The alcohol was the substance that was numbing me. And I've come out of that place now to a place of the pain is actually my power. <laughs> this is one of my superpowers because I've experienced this depth and these layers throughout these last nine years that have actually been, it's been like an armor, like I talked about earlier. It's turned into an armor and now it's empowered me to say, me too, this is what happened to me and you're not alone and all that kind of stuff. And so I really think it's about coming out of a place of shame and secrecy and to a place of vulnerability and strength and truth and honesty. That's what gives you power. And that's what empowers me. And knowing that by me doing that is affecting other people in a positive way that's empowerment. Love it. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section. Here's the next sure. grouping of questions. This be two, three, four word answer type okay. thing. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Intense. <laughs> <laughs> what is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? Deeply empathetic. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Forgiveness. What is your favorite self-care practice? Writing. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Impact, change, hope. What never fails to make you laugh? My children. <laughs> that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> what is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? My nursing career or coaching? Just overall, I guess, life lessons. Never lose your humanity. I think with nursing specifically, there came a time in my career where I really had to desensitize myself because of the nature of my work. And it really, it became very clear to me when I came back from my first maternity leave after leaving, I had been working for 13 years straight full time, never been out of that situation. And when I came back, I realized just how desensitized I had become. And that for me was a big wake up call because I no longer cried about things that I should have cried about or human. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big lesson for me. And I vowed to myself that I would never put myself in that place again of not feeling and yeah. not being human. Well, that's it, right? We're human beings. We are emotional beings. We have these emotions and we're meant to sit with them and be in them. Exactly. What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? Mm. I think I surprise myself quite a bit when just the resilience that I tend to have. Because like I said, like I talked about earlier, things aren't rainbows and fairy tales just because it's over now. But I think that the grit that I have to overcome anything that comes my way, it still surprises me because I was not this person before. <laughs> <laughs> In the last two years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life the most? I think my spiritual journey for sure has been significantly impactful for me and really deeply connecting with self, with universe, with source, with God. That has been huge for me and has brought me to a place of peace, of just serenity and faithfulness. My meditation practice has been next level in the last year. And I love it. That's definitely one of my self-care practices as well, to be yeah. in stillness with myself and going deep, diving deep into myself and, and uncovering some of the things and the wounds that still are bleeding when, and, yeah. and slowly healing those. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any mm -hmm. woman in the world, who would it be and why? Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> For sure, because she is a trailblazer. She's an incredible woman. Just her fortune alone is worth, I can't remember what the stats was I was reading about it the other day, but not only that, but 
who she is and who she's become coming from the most unlikely um, place to become successful, going against gender, going against race, all of the stuff that she's been able to overcome. And now she doesn't need to do what she does. And she still is out there still trying to make a difference and still trying to give voice to others. And I really admire her. So I would love to sit with her and chat for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? I would say, don't give up. You are believed. You are not alone. And you are so, so, so loved. You are so loved. Don't ever doubt that, even though it feels like you're not. Lastly, Abby, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Okay, I'm going to read this out because it's it's a message that came to me a while ago. And every time I read it, I just, yeah. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say, who told you or made you feel that your words don't matter, that you don't matter? What secrets or stories have you been holding on to that keep you in bondage, that have dimmed your light and keep you playing small? It's time to acknowledge you to break free from limiting beliefs and unleash the incredible gifts that you have, that we all have. You are worthy of healing and shining so brightly so that others can see themselves in you and have hope that they too can heal and overcome to become the brilliant light the world so desperately needs. Please don't ever forget how far you've already come. When you choose healing, you're doing this for little you, for teenage you, for forgotten you, for your bloodline, for your liberation, for what's come before. It ends with you and you are not alone, nor do you have to walk through it alone. Beautifully said. What a wonderful way to end the interview. Abby, thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. You are a truly inspirational, courageous, resilient, and beautiful human being with all you've been through and now what you're doing to give back and support others who are going through similar things. It's absolutely beautiful and inspirational. So thank you for shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world through the work that you do. Thank you so much, Brad. It was such an honor to be here with you. And thank you for allowing me on your platform. (laughs) That was my pleasure and my honor. I appreciate you. And thank you for being a member of the Empowerography community. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Abby Teixeira. She is a mental health warrior, a coach, a mentor, a best-selling author, a speaker, and last but certainly not least, a mother. Have a wonderful day, Abby. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.